Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter, verses 24 through 27. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like the foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? So most holy Lord, we gather on holy ground, singing our praises, lifting our petitions, declaring our faith, bringing our offering. Seeking your wisdom. And so as we hear your word read and proclaimed, speak to us, for we are listening. Speak to us, for we have expectant hearts. Speak to us, For at our very core, we want to do your will for our lives. Speak to us, O Lord, and may your words be anchored deep in the bedrock of our soul so that we would leave this time together, this time with you, Not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So there's an old adage out there called having champagne taste on a Budweiser budget. Now there's a a companion to this one, which I think is even much more fun to think about. It's having caviar taste on a tuna fish budget. I don't know why that just intrigues me. I think it's probably because I've never really thought that caviar sounded like something to participate with, but whatever. Anyway, but these things are often, we hear these adages, we think about lifestyle where maybe we have aims and visions much beyond what our checkbook can do. Often I think it relates how we invest our time and our money in the things that we think that matter most. There's another adage, though, that really makes sense to me, and one that I have uh, I've lived with my life. You get what you pay for. 
Think about that with me. You get what you pay for. I think about this when Mary and I first got married. You know, we were 25 years old. We were fresh out of seminary, entering a profession that is very book intensive. If you don't believe me, the basic minister starter set, the one that students come out of seminary with, is about three bookshelves about this wide full of books. And there's an inherent encouragement in the profession of ministry to acquire and obtain more books. This is why when one of our tribe retires, they don't know what to do with all the books they have. And so they say, hey, I'm retiring. Anyone wants to come get books, do. And if there are young ministers nearby, fresh out of seminary, they flock because this is like free books. And the minister's like, please take them all. So we had this starter set, both of us coming out. And the parsonage that we lived in did not have an abundance of bookshelves. So we did what you did in those days when you didn't have much money and you needed bookcases. We went to Staples. We bought the Sauter Woodworks bookcase set. You know, press board with a wonderful vinyl wood grain finish. Now, the great thing about those is once you spend an afternoon fussing around with trying to get the directions in the right order and figuring out how to put them together, it's a test of your marriage, kind of like hanging wallpaper. Once you do all of that, you put these bookshelves up and they look great. They look perfect. And about seven years later, they're starting to sag in the middle because of the books. The vinyl laminate, the wood grain finish, is starting to come off. Some of them start to rock and teeter because the glue has let go and the screws have wallowed out in the press board. Which, by the way, that's just sawdust and glue. It's not real wood. So what happens is you start to see this, and so we lived with that, and what we realized as we looked at these sad, dilapidated bookcases is you get what you pay for. They were cheap and easily obtained. So since then, we have replaced them with really solid case goods, some that we've bought, some that we've built, things that will stand the test of time. Yes, more expensive, but a wiser investment than those press board bookcases we started out with. So I've thought so many times about that phrase, you get what you pay for, and think about how we use that with our resources, how sometimes we're quick to go for the quick fix rather than that which has the lasting impact. I think there's something true with that. You get what you pay for, the quick fix versus the lasting impact when it comes to the ministry of the church. We think about our giving and our investment in the kingdom of God. Now, the text that I just read to you, it's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. That's those three chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, which Jesus sort of unveils the basis of his ministry. I mean, it's the Beatitudes, which starts with, blessed are you, and then it quickly goes to salt and light. We're reminded that we are the light of the world and that we should let our light shine before all people. The call to righteous living, now that's not to be confused with self-righteousness, but the call to us to be to righteous living, the, cost to, the call to come to terms with our anger and seek reconciliation with one another. The challenge to find better ways of living with envy and marital relationships and telling the truth and even maybe not seeking revenge. How to love our enemies, how to give to the needy, how to pray to God, how to practice generosity. We'll talk more about that next week. This idea of patience and trust, how to be less judging and more loving. 
and how to have faith-filled living. So he sort of, he's been teaching us all of this through these three chapters, and he concludes it with this text, this charge to invest our lives on the solid ground of these teachings that he's been giving us. And so in doing so, he uses this parable that we can all relate to, that all of us can understand. Because at the very basis, we don't need to be a civil engineer or a home builder or anything like that to understand this, that even the most hard-packed sand is still just sand. And when the wind blows and the water rises and the rains come, it will give way. It will not stand the test of time like solid rock does. And so, yes, it takes more of everything, more time, more money, more effort, more sweat to build upon a rock. But if you build your house on a rock, what happens? It will last through all time. The same is true of our faith. That if we put the time and the energy, if we invest our time and our talent and our treasure into the teachings of Christ, and we're investing in our future and our children's future and for future generations of Christians, as Libet referenced a few minutes ago. If we follow the teachings of Jesus, then we support the work of the church by making the investment in the kingdom of God. And in terms of our stewardship, we begin to realize we get what we pay for. So oftentimes we like to think of the church as a ship. So you look at sometimes, you look way up in the rafters in the balcony, you see how it's kind of got this this bow to it. In a lot of ways, that's an architectural taste to remind us of the ribs or the hull of a ship and that we are all in the same boat together, reminiscent of Jesus walking to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. But what we know about ships, what we know about the big ones like the aircraft carriers or the carnival cruise ships, and by the way, when we talk about a ship, we're not talking about concierge ministry like it's a vacation. It's a calling to service. But we think about this idea of a ship like a, a Panamax carrier, which brings all the, the goods and services on those trailers and those containers. They, they can carry a lot, and they do a lot of good. But one thing about them we know is that they don't do anything quickly. It takes them a while to get up to speed. It takes them a while to slow down. Once they get going, they're almost impossible to stop without a long distance, without some intentionality. It takes them a very long time to turn and change course. And so admittedly, when we think of the church, sometimes it frustrates people who are used to in their businesses or in their homes being able to make switch turn, quick turns and quick decisions, much like driving a jet ski versus an ocean liner. But the reality about that, that slowness to turn allows us to have a measured pace to figure out why we're changing and what we're changing course to pursue. It allows us to clarify what matters, to develop the best solution, to make rock-solid investments of our time, our talent, our treasure, all the things to have the greatest impact in the kingdom of God. So I think about that. I think about some changes that we have made here in the church uh, just in the last couple of years, starting five years ago, say with our missions program, for example, started under Jeremy Pegram and then in, under Meg Peters, really looking at how we gave our mission dollars away. It used to be that we just sort of had people write in and say, how much money do you want? And we would sort of figure out how to carve it up and just kind of send it out to everybody because they're all good organizations. There were no bad ones that we could support. 
But starting about five years ago, the missions committee said, you know, we could focus our work to make a real deep impact in our community. So they began to look at how to focus, and they said, and rather than doing everything under the sun, let's focus on health, hunger, and housing. And as we focus on those things, let's focus on the organizations that we have been partnered with, the organizations that we've had relationships with, the ones that are making a difference in the world. And so let's evaluate them. Let's evaluate their work. Let's look at the difference that they're making. Let's see if they're a fit for what we are trying to do. Now, friends, it would have been easy for our missions committee to meet, say, the first month of January to be told, you have X dollars to give away, go, and they could have figured it out in an evening. Maybe if there's 15 organizations, just divide it by 15 and be done with it. But no, that's not what they did. Because the investment of our financial resources for missions, it also needed to involve an investment of time, an investment of intentionality, investment in the kingdom of God. And so over three to five months, they began to evaluate these organizations against those goals, hunger, health, and housing, to make a difference. To figure out how to have the greatest impact upon the people in our community and around the world. To get people off the streets, into shelters, and ultimately into affordable housing. To make sure that they had the health care that they needed. So that people would eat solid meals. That was one just change where we took a while to make this change. Over time, we didn't just do it willy-nilly overnight. Another one is what we see on Wednesday evenings with Nourish. This was not something that we sat around in a staff meeting room in the middle of July and said, you know what would be great? Let's do Wednesday night dinners. No, instead we listened. We listened to a deep hunger for connection, a deep hunger for faith development, and spent time over nine months developing what we now see on Wednesday evenings building the processes that would make it so that people could come together and have just that, a chance to eat together over a table to build connection, but a chance to grow in our faith. So 80 persons now on Wednesday evenings coming for a meal in faith development, children, youth, and adults. Another 35 of our children coming together for the children's art experience to learn how to take their faith and explore it through the creativity of art and music. See, these investments in the kingdom of God, they're paying off because we're focused on our mission to make disciples for Jesus Christ to transform the world, but they're anchored in the solid teachings of Jesus that we hear in the Gospels. We get what we're paying for. And we started to think about this idea, we get what we pay for, and it begins to think about our money habits and how we sort of figure out, are we investing in the kingdom, are we investing in something else? It's not just our practice of ministry that we're investing, but we're practicing, we're investing in how we give financially. The real question here for you and me as we look at our wallets and our checkbooks and our paychecks is this. Are we investing in the kingdom of God or are we just going for the easy fix? What I mean by that is when you got your pledge card, did you just quickly fill it out so that Marianne wouldn't call you or that you could just get it done and marked off your list and move on to the next item? Or did you do something different? Did we take our pledge card and before we clicked the response online or if we filled the card out and returned it, did we pray about it? Did we count our blessings? Those things that God has given us both this year but throughout our lives. 
Do we start thinking about how we could have and imagine a deeper impact on the lives of those in this congregation, but those outside the walls of this church that these ministries touch and impact? See, for every dollar that we give, it is both a sign of our gratitude, but it is an investment in the kingdom of God. And it's an investment in the lives of children, youth, and adults who come in the doors to learn how to love and live like Jesus, who come to learn that God loves them and so do we, who come to learn that Jesus loves them so much. It's an investment in the lives of people who are helped by our missions and by the work of the United Methodist Church around the globe where we're training new clergy. Let me just tell you what's happening in the, the greater denomination. This past year we had 50 clergy retire and only 25 joined the conference. Folks, if we are not building a culture of call and training new clergy, who will fill our pulpits? Who will lead our churches? We give to the church. We're making that possible. We talk about clean water in South America. We look at the refugee crisis in North Africa, in the Middle East, in Europe, and in the border region. We are a part of that work just by our offerings to this place. We help with hurricanes we have children who sit next to ours in a classroom who are hungry, and we provide backpack meals for them, even if our children don't know that the meal originates here in this church. We're helping feed our children's classmates. We're investing in the lives of people who seek care in times of crisis, whether they're coming in the door for mental health support through Shining Light on Mental Health, or whether they're looking for pastoral or congregational care or the help of Stephen Ministers, or hope and healing, we are investing in the lives of people who come here seeking a lighthouse. We're investing in the lives of people who walk through the doors of this church each and every day for worship, for fellowship, for discipleship, for care, for meetings, for learning, simply for transformation. See, friends, in this stewardship season, we begin to realize that the life of the church is not, it's not about a telephone. It's not we're trying to raise dollars on a, on a thermometer chart at all. No, we're about changing lives. We're about investing in the intentional work of the gospel. We're investing in the mission. We're investing in the calling that you and I have and that we as a church have to be living disciples in the world around us. As Libet said, sometimes preach sermons with your voice, but use your hands always. See, when you and I choose to give, we count our blessings and we invest in the kingdom of God, then we are anchored in the solid truth of Jesus Christ. And Libet talked about this building. And I love this building. I love coming here as a child myself. I love coming here when I found I was being appointed to this place. I can walk around this campus and sometimes I turn the corner and I think I see images of 14, 15-year-old me turning the corner with my friends. But I walk in this sanctuary and I look around and it just pulls my eyes straight to heaven. It soars and draws my soul closer to God just being on this campus. The church is not a building. It's its people. But make no mistake about it, the building is a place that we come to for respite, for learning, to be equipped, and to go forth in mission. And I think about this building that 94 years ago, our forebears, they broke ground on this building. They decided it would be a solid limestone church that so was going to need a solid foundation in the bedrock of this region. 
Otherwise, it would not be able to stand the test of time. And despite the headwinds of the economy and of the times that they were in, they said, this is where we will build and this is what we will build. They invested for the future. You get what you pay for. Friends, you and I, we are what they dreamed of. This is a dream they had 94 years ago, but it doesn't stop here. They dreamed that it would continue and go on and on and on. And so as we consider how we will support the ministries of the church, how we will faithfully support the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, we must ask ourselves, what are we investing in? What do we dare dream for our church in 2024? What do we dare dream for our future? Will we get what we pay for? Is that what God is calling us to do? Or is God challenging us to go even further than we think? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.